Good morning. Wasn't that worship time great? Music, especially like that new hymn, Searching, Searching, No Network Connection Found. I, I think we could write a, you could write a hymn, you could write a song about that. Because we all should be searching and we should all seek a network connection as well. Had a few little things happen today, huh, around here. They're pretty exciting. I'm pretty proud of my grandson. Hate to brag on my family over there, but oh, Bodie's a Christian. I love that. Decisions made. Charles assigned me. We're doing a series on giving. This is the last in a series of three sermons. My assignment was the genius of generosity. Now, years ago. Dave Robinson, who many of you know, he's a professor at the college, but Nancy Gronwald's brother, spoke here at the church, and he said this, and I've shared it before, but he said, everyone is a genius at something. Do you believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that. Okay, now, it's interesting to look at demographics sometimes. First hour, we have a little older group. I said, how many of you think you're a genius? Not one hand went up. But I'm glad to know you guys are. Now, I think that's an intriguing idea. The genius of generosity. And I do believe that. The reason I believe that everybody's a genius at something is because God's gifted us. Romans 12 tells us that, that we're gifted in various ways. And, and one of the gifts that we have is the gift of giving. And I believe that... that uh, not all of us are geniuses in everything, but I also believe this, that you can learn to be great in things, that you can learn to be a genius in giving. And so the challenge today is learn to be a genius in giving generously. Now take that, put that in your memory bank and think about that for a minute and think about what that means. What what does it take for that to happen? The genius of generosity requires, requires a change of our heart and our lifestyle. And that's obvious to me that, that to become a good a giver, you have to have a change in heart. Our society is not big on giving, is it? Our society has all kinds of other things that are, seem to be more important. We're oftentimes hung up with getting things as opposed to giving things. And so the people that find a genius in this area are going to be those who have a changed heart and lifestyle. And we can see this in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. This is an example of how that happens. Let's look at this. You know that these two chapters in 2 Corinthians deal with the need for the church in Jerusalem to receive help they were suffering persecution. They were going through a hard time. And so Paul had put out the word that we needed to help them, support them. I'm sure that many of them had been cut off from society. They probably were suffering with the inability to purchase food and to even do things that they needed to stay faithful. And so the challenge was given to the church at Corinth to take up an offering. Now, Corinth was a very rich place one of the most prosperous cities in the old world and 
they had been given the challenge and they seem to be shirking that responsibility. You read through these chapters, you'll see that. But he gives an example here, starting in verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And so he's using this church, this poor church, as an example of giving, of how to give, and how to understand it. And he, he's talking about this idea of grace, that God has given us grace in many areas, and you're, you're a genius in some areas because why? Because God gifted you that way. His grace. Always remember that. God is always blessing us. He's looking out for our best. He's always with us. And so uh, it's important to get a hold of this idea. <clears throat> so we see this poor church, and it says that they gave <clears throat> beyond their ability. Now think about that for a minute. How do you give beyond your ability? That's an interesting point, isn't it? To understand this, I think we have to understand the idea of genius. What is it to be a genius? A genius is wrapped up in creativity put into action. Think about people that you consider to be a genius. Is there anybody in your life that, that you know of or maybe have even met that you consider to be a genius? Well, I just said there's a whole bunch of them sitting right around you. But think about this. I thought of Walt Disney. <clears throat> Is Walt Disney a genius? <clears throat> well, there, there's a Mickey Mouse Club person back there. <laughs> and... Keep your Mickey Mouse thoughts to yourself. <laughs> He's a genius because he had this creative idea, and then he put it into place. And we're all aware of Walt Disney. Is there anybody in this room that hasn't heard of Walt Disney? Yeah, we, we all grew up, at least I did, watching Disneyland stuff, you know. It, he's a genius. But he's a genius because he found a creative way to put something into action. And I believe that's exactly what happened to the church in Macedonia. They found a creative way to give that was beyond comprehension. They saw a need. They knew that the church in Jerusalem needed help. And they determined within themselves that they wanted to help them. Because why? Because they loved the brethren. They cared about the church there. They knew that that church is the one that got them to know about the gospel. You see that? They understood that, that they were, they were instrumental in them receiving the truth about Jesus. And they were creative about giving. 
they found a way to do it. Their giving was beyond what others could see as possible. That's, a, that's what I want you to see here. Other people are looking at them, and Paul, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying, they gave beyond their ability. He looks at them and he says, how could they do that? How is it possible for them to do that? You know, if you, if you pay attention, you see things like that around here. <laughs> I, I've seen things like that in church planning. I've seen that in missionary work, and I've seen it in, in church here. How things happen that you just don't understand. How in the world was that able to be accomplished? Well, it's because God is working in us. And this church here in Macedonia figured something out that's very important that you hear all the time when people talk about giving. God loves a cheerful giver. That's 2 Corinthians 9-7. So when we look at this church, there was no holding back. Now that isn't always the case. Sometimes people choose to hold back. And, and these are the kind of questions you have to ask yourself sometimes. Is I, am I one that's going to hold back? Or am I one that's going to go forward with what God convicts me of, with, that puts on my heart, that places on me to do? And an example of this, obviously, again, was the early church. If we look over in Acts uh, chapter 4, and verse 36, we see this. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having let land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But certain men named Ananias and so Ananias and with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part of part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last, so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And his wife came in later, and she tried to pull the same stunt. And guess what happened to her? She died too. <laughs> okay, well, that's a really good way to motivate people to give, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I know that. Why, why do I say this? The important thing is to understand what you have is in your possession, exactly what Ananias had, and you make a decision, you make a determination. God convicts you, and you do something. See, he wanted to have the same glory as someone else, and so he pulled up off the shenanigan. And Peter just said, you know, it was in your own hands. All you had to do was just do what you said. Everybody would have been excited about what you gave if you just would have told the truth. And I guess what I'm saying is, are we telling ourselves the truth? Or are we holding back? That's a good question to ask, you know. Could I give or should I give? Or do we make up reasons why not to give? The Macedonian church didn't do that. So the genius of giving is finding a way to give with a grace-filled heart. 
because you love God and you, and you really see the need. The Macedonians did not give from their overflow, obviously, because everybody was looking at them and saying, well, that's beyond what they should have been able to do, but they were able to do it. They gave it from a heartfelt need. They saw the need in the, in the church at Jerusalem. And as Christians, we need to see the need that's out there in a lost world. A giving from giving from an abundance is relatively easy, isn't it? You know, I know we've hit on this. That's been talked about. You always hear about it. You know, the, the rich guy that put, brings his money in for the collection and then the widow that puts in everything. See, there's a difference between the two, but the point of the matter is that's easy. But seeing the world's need, suddenly changing your heart and the motivation for giving, and seeing that people are lost all around us that don't know Christ, then suddenly our thinking goes deeper than self-preservation. <laughs> Isn't that interesting about Christianity? It tends to try to want us to deny ourselves and take up a cross and follow Jesus. It takes us to a deeper point. I want to share this little uh, event that took place in Korea some years back. Dr. Roy L. Lauren tells of a Christian businessman who was traveling Korea. In the field by the side of the road was a young man pulling a crude plow with an old man while the old man held the handles. So here's a guy pulling a plow. The businessman was amused and took a snapshot of the scene. Kind of a hard-hearted businessman, I thought, at that point. But that is curious. I suppose these people are very poor. He said to the missionary who was interpreted and guide to the party. Yes, was the quiet reply. These two men happened to be Christians. When their church was being built, they were so eager to give something toward it, but they had no money. So they decided to sell their one and only ox and give the proceeds to the church. This spring, they are pulling the plow themselves. The businessman was silent for some moments. Then he said, that must have been a real sacrifice. They did not call it that, said the missionary. They thought themselves fortunate that they had an ox to sell. Now here's the thing. Isn't that possibly what the people in Macedonia did? They, can you see yourself, well, be honest for a minute. Can you see yourself doing that? There would be Charles pulling the plow. And there would be me walking behind him. And me, I would be saying, are you nuts? <laughs> Call Brian, let him help. <laughs> but see, that's the genius of generosity. They found a way. And their hearts were pure. So when we become geniuses at generosity, it changes our heart. It's very easy to see that. And it's not about giving just regularly. That's not just it. It's about being faithful and understanding in your heart of hearts that God supplies. You notice that by God's grace, 
were able to do this. The second thing that I think is kind of interesting about the genius of generosity is it connects us to others. I want you to think about for something for a minute. Have you ever received a gift from somebody that changed your life? You know? May, I mean, maybe it's monetary, maybe it isn't. I can think of an example of that. I've had a couple of times where I received some gifts that really touched me, and I'll never forget it. Um, one was when Don and I first started in ministry, and I had lost my job out at Petrotomics and my geology income, which was considerably more than I was working for at that time here at the church. Uh, we had a baby. We had no insurance. And that baby cost us a lot of money. And I'm kind of glad we had the baby. <laughs> She's sitting in the front row. <laughs> and don't misunderstand me, but we were kind of down to where we were having a hard time, and, and I needed tires for my car. And I remember a, a member of this church bought me a set of tires. I, I, I can never forget that. I can never forget that. I just, I just will never be able to. And you know what? As Christians, that's how we need to think. That's how we need to live. That's how we should be towards each other. And yes, I remember the calf, too. I was once given a calf. That was a blessing to me as well. But the point of the matter is, it connects us together. It connects us together because we're a family. We're part of the body of Christ, which goes beyond just this congregation to the whole world. And when we give, we're connected to missionaries around this world that are connected to people that are turning to the Lord, that are becoming Christians, that will never know who you are until they meet you in heaven. But the connection is there because you gave. And see, it's not about us asking you for money. It's God don't need your money. It, you hear that all the time, but it's true, isn't it? What God needs, what God wants is your heart. He wants your heart. And that's what matters. And, and your heart will change when you understand the significance of what it is to give. We turn back to uh, 2 Corinthians and, and look at, at uh, chapter 9. We're going to read, read verse 10 through 15. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Having received the gift, 
It brings glory to God. People are suddenly connected to you. They pray for you. Look at that verse 14. And by their prayer for you, those at gates, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It connects us together. Giving is important to understand that. And if you give grudgingly, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. But when you begin to understand what it means to give with a pure heart, then you understand the value of giving. This, the word grudgingly it, it, that, that the Bible talks about over here in verse 7 of chapter 9, it says, So let each one of you give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word grudgingly actually means this, sadness, grief, heaviness, sorrow. Sometimes we have to be careful, don't we? We give something and we think, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. That's not the way it works and that's not what God calls us to do. It's a willing heart and a willing heart doesn't give with ulterior motives. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can do to help. Giving helps others and also helps us. And giving brings glory to God. He does. He, he receives glory when that happens. So how does this generosity connect us to others? Well, we've, we've talked about this. It connects us because they begin to understand you care about them. You care about them. The church, the body of Christ, cares about us. And so we receive something in that. We receive the idea that people love us as well. We, we become rich in friends. We become rich because we care enough to help someone else. The third thing that we need to understand that the genius of generosity is displayed most when we invest in the right things. You know, we have money, don't we? Is there anybody in here that doesn't have any money? See us later if you don't have any money at all. You know, we, we can help you out. We do it all the time. That's part of another thing that the church does. That's what you do. Is you make it possible to help people that are in deep need. And it happens weekly. Sometimes daily, as people come for help. But genius, the genius of generosity, helps us to know what's the right thing to invest our lives in. And sometimes we get tricked up by that, don't we? We get to be investing in things that really are temporary. When we talk about this giving that we're talking about here, we're talking about eternal things versus temporary things things that last for all eternity not the things that just last for a short time and so we need to get a hold of that in Matthew 6 19 through 20 it says this do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Notice that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm not going to tell you that it's easy to begin to be a giver. <laughs> you know, we can find all kinds of reasons why not to. But it's something that we need to do for our own good and for the good of others. You know, this is a political season. Have you ever noticed when politicians try to quote Scripture, they never quite get it right? I, I love it. They, they always, they think they know, but they always quite often say something wrong. Well, a politician once said this, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Now, there's one problem. That's wrong. That's backwards. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. So what was he thinking? I think he knew it was backwards. What did he mean by that? Have a heart and give me money so I can get elected. Right? What did the Holy Spirit say in Matthew 6.21? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The opposite. Treasure, heart. Giving, which... We've all been there. Why shouldn't I? I can't afford this. I can't do this. I can't, I can't give to the, this. But what it's saying is start somewhere. Start someplace. And as you give, your heart's going to follow that. As you begin to realize the value of giving to significant things, then suddenly you're going to be a different person. And that's important to get a hold of. We will change. Our heart will be different. And we will be about doing the right thing. You want to be a genius. I mentioned this first hour. I thought it interesting. How many of you are in the military? Can you imagine a drill instructor telling you, you're a real genius? <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about getting a hold of something, catching on to something, a concept that changed your life, that giving makes us connected to other people, closer to God, changes who we are, helps us to become something different. But what we have to do is give to significant things that really matter. If you turn over to Philippians chapter 4, we see an example of this. Paul has received a gift from the Philippian church. And, it's, and it goes like this. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concern, concerning giving and receiving, but you only. But even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. See, Paul is thanking them for giving to him a significant source that needed to be helped, Paul. What, why did they need to give to Paul? Well, Paul had a great career, you know that. He, he began as a persecutor of the church. He had a political career. He was well loved by all those around him, but he chose to become a Christian. And he became a missionary and a church planner. And, and so he gave up those things to, to serve God. 
And so he traveled tirelessly all through the world, began to be, be beaten up and thrown out of every church he ever started. You ever read that about? Every church he ever started, they either threw him up, threw him out, or beat him up. I wouldn't like to work for Paul. But the Philippian churches understood this. They understood that he's, he is bringing the gospel to the world and that the most important thing was for people to receive the gospel and to become Christians and to be saved. And so they gave to him because they knew it was important. Why do you give? Why do you give to a church? Because the message of the church is the most important message on earth. That people need to know the Lord. That people need to be saved. And the fact of the matter is that there's a heaven and there's a hell. And people like to argue about it. But the Bible tells us it's true. And so when you give to the furtherance of the gospel, you're giving to a very important thing. The most important thing. And we need to remind ourselves of that from time to time. And Paul reminds the Philippians, it's not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Paul said he had learned to, to, be about, to abound and to be abased. And then the most famous verse in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And that's Paul. He could. But see, what did it mean to him to receive this gift? It touched his heart to know that somebody cared about him. Only the Philippians helped him at those times. And that gift changed things, didn't it? I just want to close with one little story here. A story about a little girl and her, her dad had given her a fake pearl necklace. It cost a dollar and 95 cents. And one day, the dad, the father, came to this little girl and he says, uh, give me your necklace. And she said, Daddy, you can take my doll, you can take my little white horse with the pink tail, but don't take my necklace. And the father said to her, trust me. And hearing those words, she gave him the necklace. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a real pearl necklace. Much more valuable, he gave it to her. And I believe that's what God is saying to us. Give to me those things that I'm calling you to do. And you're going to receive the true treasure, the true blessing of God. And that's not just monetary stuff. We're not talking about that. God can bless you that way, and he has blessed many of us that way. But he blesses us with the knowledge that we're making a difference. Does that matter to you? It matters to me. I want to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I want our church to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And like I said, so many of you have blessed me so many ways and made a difference in my life. You've been there when I needed you. You've been there when my family's suffered loss and 
deaths and all sorts of things. Because that's what the church does for each other. That's what the church is about. And we need to extend that and realize that we should care about the world like that as well. So I bless you. I thank you for all that you mean and all that you do. And I pray that as we've looked through this that we realize that there is a purpose in what we give. And it's way more than what we think sometimes or that we even stop to think about. So I would ask that the music team would come forward. I'd say if there's a decision that needs to be made, I would ask you to come as we sing this morning. Let's stand, please. This is a time where you can proclaim Jesus for the first time. This is a time where you can make a decision for him, as we've seen today, uh, make a decision to follow his baptism. Uh, This is a time where you can come if you need prayer or whatever it might be. But we'd ask you to come uh, as we sing, if the Lord is leading you that way.